So do you want to know what are the top solutions that every consultant should know? I'm going to tell you all about it on today's episode of the Enough Already podcast. And welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan. And in every episode, we talk about how high achieving professionals can permanently ditch the nine to five, repackage their strengths, their passion, their experiences into a profitable, purpose-driven consulting or coaching business. So here's the thing. Let me see if I can get inside your head. You're listening in because you want to grow a high-impact, high-income consulting business. And there's so many reasons why you want it for yourself. You want it because it gives you control over your career. It makes great use of your experience. But you also want it because you want to make a difference. But here's the problem that especially brand new consultants face. They wonder, what in the world does a consultant do? I cannot tell you how many times I get asked that question around how do you get into organizational consulting or what does a consultant do? And here's the impact if you don't know the answer to it. If you don't know what a consultant does, you don't know what to sell. And if you don't know what to sell, let's talk, let's be real about this. Let's figure out what will actually happen. So when it comes to marketing, are you going to go after it like gangbusters? Or are you going to avoid it like the plague? Or are you going to be excited when someone expresses interest in meeting with you and learning all about what you do? Or are you going to procrastinate? The chances are you're not going to land the work that you can do if you don't know clearly what you want to offer. So what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to turn this around. I'm going to take you on what I'm calling a solution safari. We're going to be going over my top consulting solutions. I'm going to share with you what they are and why you need to know them and how to start using them to land work with your clients and to extend the value of the clients that you're working with. So why am I telling you all about this or how did I come here? So I've shared with you some of my Disney background through this series. So the short story, if you haven't heard some of my previous episodes, is that after I got my master's degree in OD, I got an opportunity to land my dream job at Disney as an internal OD organization development consultant. So the thing is, is I had this leader who drove our team absolutely crazy because he wanted to run our internal department like we were an external consultancy. And so we had to invest 20% of our time just building up our mastery around our consulting best practices. So every quarter we did these work sessions where we all had to research all types of best practices around how to consult. What do consultants do? We had to research the best practices and we had to come up with tools and approaches and all those types of things. And we had to share it with each other in these quarterly work sessions. Every week, every Friday from 3.30 to 5, we had to practice our consulting skills and our ability to set up our partnerships with our clients. It drove us crazy. We also created this internet site that we called the OD Workbench that we were able to house all of these best practices and approaches, which was great. We enjoyed this because wherever we were on property, because Disney's a really large property, Walt Disney World has multiple, multiple locations and we were scattered everywhere. We can go to this internet site, download whatever we needed. Whenever executive had a question, I always knew where I needed to go. It actually served this tool served as an inspiration for a program that I created that I called the Consultant's Toolbox, which I'll tell you more about later. But the thing is for me is marketing didn't scare me when I first started my business. I wasn't good at it right away. And there were so many things I've learned over the years around marketing, but I wasn't scared of it because I was confident 
in one thing. I knew exactly what I would do with a client once I got one because my leader forced this into this muscle memory. And so what's really hard when you're transitioning from a leadership role into consulting is everything that you had before was all a muscle memory. You know how to solve problems. You knew exactly what you needed to do in your technical area of expertise when you had formal authority. But it's very confusing when you don't have that formal authority and what do you actually do with clients? So this is what I wanna talk about on this episode. To enhance what we're gonna be talking about here, I also created a cheat sheet that gives you the big picture of the consulting solution. So on this particular episode, I'm gonna go over only five of them and there's a lot more detail. And so I want you to get this cheat sheet so you could see the big picture of all the different things that you could be offering your clients. Once you could see that, then you could start framing things up in your proposals and on your website. So head on over to www.betsyjordan.com and remember Jordan's with a Y, not an A, forward slash solutions. Grab your cheat sheet so that you can see everything that you could be offering your clients. So now let's get into the five solutions and onto the show. So number one, I'm gonna talk about assessments. So what is an assessment? It's basically where you I have identified for our client what is causing their problems. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. So you're trying to find out in an assessment, what is the gap between where your client is today and where they wanna be and what is causing that gap? So there's so many reasons why your clients really need you to offer as an assessment. And I would say, this is just a Betsy bias. You could blow it off and say, nah, it doesn't really work for me. But my Betsy bias is, is I think you should start all your projects with an assessment. Because the thing is, is when a client comes to you, they'll tell you like, oh, I want you to do this or that. And it's rarely the right solution because they haven't diagnosed their problem accurately. You know, they've got that nose to the window pain syndrome. And so if you don't do an assessment, you are potentially gonna be offering your client one of those expensive Band-Aids or one of those flavor of the months that put you in that pair of hands trap, but also it's not really good for your client. And the other thing is an assessment does so many things for your client. An assessment in itself is a total win. You can help your clients get buy-in for whatever it is they are gonna be offering later. You can get a senior team all on the same page. I can't tell you how many focus groups I've been in where employees or customers are crying and they're like, oh my God, leaders really care about me because you're here. So there's so many reasons why it's in your client's best interest. But for you, if you don't wanna be in the pair of hands trap, you need an assessment because your assessment will buy you that independent point of view that is essential to a personally powerful executive advisor. So the thing is, is that when you're meeting with a client, I know when you are doing that initial contracting conversation, what I call partnership setup, you may feel like really confident, like you know how to client solve the client's problems, but it's usually not until you get into it that you really can understand what the issues are. So when you are clear and you have this data, this is what gives you the ability to have that independent point of view where you can influence your clients because you're on a level playing field. You have seen the organization from a different vantage point and a broader vantage point than your clients have. Executives don't hear everything that the employees are thinking or feeling because of all of the dynamics that are involved. So there's so many things that you can offer and you could say that your clients would never hear without your you giving voice to those employees or to those customers. So there's a lot of different types of assessments. There's targeted, where you're going after something very specific, like, oh, I wonder why 
you know, customer services dropped off in this specific area, or you could do something more of a business assessment or current state assessment, something more open-ended. You can do qualitative assessments or quantitative. Quantitative is when it's more close-ended. It could be a simple survey all the way through quantitative research where you're doing correlations. Qualitative is my area of expertise. I love qualitative research. That's why I love podcasting so much. I need to get more people back on my my show. I've been doing a lot of solo episodes, but I love doing the interviews because I love qualitative research. I love probing into the hearts and minds of people. So there's a lot of different ways that you can go about your assessment. And that's where a lot of people get stuck is not knowing what approach to take, not knowing what questions to ask. I go all into it, into the consultant's toolbox. I'm going to tell you about the consultant's toolbox a lot more in detail next week. But the for right now, the assessment is such a key way to set up your strategic partnership on a firm and equal footing with your client. So number two, number two is strategy. So strategy is nothing more than a series of tough decisions and trade-offs. That's what strategy at the end of the day is all about. Or you could look at strategy as a company's game planning. And let me say that again. Or you can look at strategy as a company's game plan for winning. So there's several things that you could look at when it comes to strategy and what makes strategy effective. I've just bucketed into like three critical success factors, if you will. A strategy that's effective is number one, it's well-grounded. So when somebody has a strategy, it's relative to what the organization's strengths are and purpose and all of that kind of stuff. The second aspect of effective strategy is articulated. You know, that a strategy that's just in the boardroom somewhere, but nobody else knows about it is not really a great strategy. Articulated is everybody knows about it. Everybody can understand what the strategy is. And the third aspect is that it's actually used as a decision-making filter. If a client says, oh yeah, we really worked on strategy, but it does not influence their decisions, it's not a strategy. It's just aspirations. Strategy at the end of the day is a decision-making filter. So there's several different types of strategy that all fits into those three attributes. You can do a strategic definition type of strategy work with a client, which is all around branding, core purpose, mission, vision, all that kind of stuff. All of those strategic interventions are about identity. And so you might offer that type of solution if a client has a new business, it's brand new, or current business model isn't working or isn't sustainable. This is what I do in my Purpose to Profits Academy. I've been telling you about my new group coaching program that I'm so excited about. It's all about the strategic clarity. So you know you need it as a consulting and coaching business owner that you need to have clarity on what are you all about? What are you selling? Your clients need that same thing. So that's what makes a strategy well-grounded when, when all of that strategic definition is clear. Then there's other types of strategic initiatives that you could be helping your clients with. There's strategic implementation, where those are those tactical plans to make sure that that goals and objectives are implemented effectively or strategic alignment. It's getting everybody to work off of that single strategy. So there's a lot of goals and measures. This is where balance scorecard comes in. And then there's strategic integration where all of this identity stuff and these goals are interwoven into daily decision-making filters. And it's used by leaders and employees at all levels down to the front lines. You know, for example, when I was at Disney, I worked on a project that we redefined the guest cast and the cast leader interaction. And we were trained transforming how that 
experience happen. And so we had to translate all of these strategic intentions down to specifically, what was the guest and the cast interaction going to look like? So what were the cast members going to actually say and do with the with their guests? What was it down to that specific level? And then the same thing with the leaders, like what would they do with their employees? So there's all types of strategy initiatives. But what's really important here is why you should know this as a consultant or coach is this is when your objective point of view is premium. When the client is working a strategy, it's usually you have 12 different opinions, uh, you know, on a 10 person team around what's the best approach. And so now you are here because you can corral all those perspectives. The other thing about strategy is let's say you're working on a different engagement with a client. And if there's a strategic opportunity, you could just add value to existing engagements. So for example, I was working on an executive development program for a client and they were talking all about this retreat that they were going to do, a strategy retreat in Park City, Utah, with a whole bunch of their senior leaders from all around the country. And so I'm like, hey, you know, I'm really good at doing strategy and started chatting with them. They brought me in. I made a great deal of money for a three-hour work session in Park City, Utah, staying at the most beautiful resort right off, right by the mountains, and had an opportunity to get to know the entire team. It led to great relationships. I got paid for this incredible vacation. And so it's a great way to add value to these existing engagements by offering strategy. Now let's talk about number three, org design. So org design has been a big calling card for me. And org design is basically when you position the, the people and processes to the profits. So you are working at the on the organizational department, you know, the org chart, but the process level. And the thing about org design that I am a huge fan of, it's, it's a high value solution that very few consultants know. And so this is why I was able to land so much work is not a lot of consultants know about org design. But if you do know about org design, you are going to have a competitive advantage and an opportunity to make a humongous impact with your clients. So when do you use org design? It's basically when there's gridlock, duplication of effort, when the right and left hand don't know what they're doing, when there's silos, that's when you do org design. So there's a lot of different aspects of org design. There's at the overall groupings level, which is basically on the whole, how work is divided. There's management structure, which is how tall or how flat, you know, a management structure is. So how many direct reports do the managers have and how big are those spans of control? There's looking at the role design, you know, the specific roles, there's the process, processes and the process design that's involved here. If you are somebody who is a lean person, a Six Sigma person, you know all about process design. What's beautiful about your expertise there, you can just back in and start offering org design just with a few techniques that I can show you and, and give you. But what's great about this is it's a huge way of really helping a client. And it's really important to pay attention to org design, especially if a workforce reduction is on the line or if it's a driver or consequence, because they need your your clients need someone like you who can appreciate all the implications of an org design on individuals' work lives, their teams, how they feel about it. In fact, like my 
my um, passion around making sure that we do org design in a really thoughtful way is what motivated me to create the consultant's toolbox in the first place because I was on this online forum and somebody's like, hey, I just landed an org design project. Anyone have anything? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's huge. I've got tons of stuff I could offer you. And that's why it's so important that you get equipped in these different types of solutions is you're going to get asked. And if you're going to get asked to do something that really makes an impact on an organization, it's really helpful for you and your integrity to have the skill sets and the tools to do this with excellence, especially when you're doing like dealing with something that could affect somebody's career path, their, their work life, their satisfaction, and everything else that goes along with org design. So this is a really important skill set to have for you is you don't know when you're going to be asked to advise on this. And this one is going to help you make a huge impact in the organization. All right, number four, leadership development. So the thing about leadership development that I want to emphasize right from the get-go is it's not just about training. Training is the number one thing that you're going to be asked to deliver. If you're a consultant, you're a coach, at some point, somebody's going to ask you like, hey, I've got a training program I'd love for you to design and deliver. But I'm going to give you my phrase that I want you to really embed in your heart and your mind. And it's this, training is often necessary, but rarely sufficient. Let me say that again and really let this phrase really sink in. Training is often necessary, rarely sufficient. And the reason why it's part of one of four things that you need to truly transform behavior. And this is relevant for leadership development, for employee development, for any type of development experience, for you to actually create behavior changes. Skills enhancement is one, but you also want to look at skills enhancement from a training perspective and a coaching standpoint. So coaching is equally as important as training to transform behavior, but you also need clear performance expectations. In fact, that's the number one thing you need. You need to help a client clarify what does performance excellence even look like? So that comes apart, comes across in competencies or day-to-day accountabilities. And then you need to train and coach people to those competencies. But that's not enough. You need to also create the supportive work environment, the processes, the policies, the decision-making authority, and all the things that somebody would need in order to be successful. And then ultimately, you have to be able to have these performance expectations aligned to measures, performance measurements and rewards. People will behave according to what gets measured and gets rewarded. So you need all four of these pieces in order to create leadership change. But the other thing that's really important when you're dealing with leadership development is your approach to developing leaders differs at different leadership levels. So when you are working with, let's say, frontline managers, people who are managers for the first time, you can do a lot of classroom type of stuff, reading, interactive uh, e-courses. You could do a lot of things at that level. They love personality assessments. Myers-Briggs is really fun for them. Finder, all that kind of stuff. With executives, that doesn't work anymore. The thing is with executives, they've been there, done that, they've been through everything. It's very hard to create a development experience for executives that will wow them. 
So I'm going to give you my best practices, my best practice around developing executives. And it's really around action learning via stretch assignments. So part of the reason why I talk so much about the positioning that I do with my clients is coming alongside them on change projects like I did as an OD consultant allows my clients to grow while doing. Executives like to learn while doing. So if you're going to create an executive development experience, always include stretch assignments with coaching. So make them a project champion of a big change effort that will develop an executive or have them represent the organization on a nonprofit board. But the best thing that you could do is just move executives around to different areas and give them the opportunity with the support of a consultant or coach like you to help them become more effective in a new area. The thing about executive leadership that is it becomes its its own career in itself. So getting an executive to to detach from their functional area of expertise and attach to their executive competence is a great way to help them really develop their ability to go up the ladder and move into that C-suite type of position, especially as the president or CEO. So that's leadership development. And then finally, number five, team development. So team development is basically getting a group of people to all row in the same direction. So when a client typically struggles with strategy, chances are team development is going to come along with it because everybody's all over the map and they're all in different, different places, different perspectives. So there's three aspects of team development or how do you create an effective team? Well, it goes, just goes back to the definition of what is a team. And a team is a group of people that have shared work and goals they have interdependence and mutual accountability. So the, again, there's a difference when you're going up the ladder and you're working with um, people at different types of levels in the organization. So you can do a lot of typical team building stuff and a lot of fun stuff with um, teams at the manager level or even at the director level. Lots of consultants and coaches can handle that. Lots of consultants get brought in when there's conflict within an intact team. So you'll use a traditional team effectiveness type of approach in that scenario. But it definitely gets more complicated when you're dealing with executive teams and boards. And the consultants or coaches who can handle this type, these types of challenges are definitely at that competitive advantage. So let me tell you all the ways that executive teams are completely unique. Number one is the environment in which executive teams operate in. So executive teams don't just have to deal with, you know, the people on the team and the leader. They also have to deal with customers and shareholders, the board and all the employees and all that kind of stuff. The complexity of the types of issues executive teams deal with is much more intense the politics is much more intense. The other thing about executive teams is the visibility. Everybody's watching them. And the people who are on the team, they definitely have that power achievement type of personality. So that makes teamwork a lot more challenging. You know, people feel special if they're a part of the team. So sometimes you have you know, different part, different people who are not core to the executive team, a part of the team. So that creates different dynamics. You know, the power of the CEO and president, all the people who are presenting constantly to the executive team. So executive teams are unique. And for this team, if you're going to build them, it's really all about decision making. They don't really produce anything together outside of decisions. So they make decisions together on behalf of the organization. So the formula that I use for executive team building is trust plus relevant data plus lively discussion equals 
the best decisions possible. So you just need to work on developing the trust among these types of power and achievement types. But the way that you help them do that is with that data. So that goes back full circle to what we talked about in the beginning of this episode is the importance of the assessment, getting that data. This is going to be what helps you align this team and get them to make better decisions. One of my favorite clients would say all the time, he says, equally informed people seldom disagree. So if you can make sure there's constant data, that will help this executive team operate better. The other thing about doing executive team development is this is a great opportunity to get into an organization at a strategic level. So one of the things that we talked about in the last episode around the positioning traps, especially the pair of hands trap, is you don't want to have your entry point into an organization to be something that would position you, like don't do a lunch and learn and don't do something like that. You want to do something that's strategic. This is a good strategic in. The other thing is a team building opportunity happens when there's new players on the team. So when organizations are in transition, that's a great opportunity to bring in a consultant or coach like you. I have this new leader assimilation process I've been using for years. And one of my favorite experiences I had is when I was able to land a new client, a global client, using this one particular tool. But the thing is about getting in at the executive team dynamic issue is it gives you an opportunity to get to know all kinds of issues, which will give you this insight to get into some of the bigger, broader organizational issues. So let's recap. So we talked about the top five solutions. There's assessment, there's strategy, there's org design, there's leadership development, and there's team development. The key is about these solutions is to use the right solution for the right problems. So you don't wanna be a hammer looking for a nail. You wanna be able to have a lot of different tools in your toolbox so that you could use the right tool for the right situation. So let me give you some tips on this one. Number one, assessment, do it no matter what. I believe that your first order up for bids every time you start a new client should be to do an assessment, especially a stakeholder assessment. This will give you an opportunity to get to know the culture, get to know the people, get to know the situations and challenges, get your independent point of view, make a real difference, and have the opportunity to guarantee results to your clients. Without an assessment, it's hope for the best that you are going to deliver the right results. But with an assessment, you can guarantee the solution you recommend will be the right one. So let me give you some additional insights on how to figure out the right one after that. So if there is confusion around direction, prioritization, you're dealing with a strategy issue. So in your assessment, if that is what you're uncovering is everybody's not clear on where is the organization going or what are the priorities or there's all these conflicting priorities or they have an initiative list that's way too long and there's not enough time to implement everything, you're dealing with a strategy issue. So use one of the strategy interventions that are available to you. If your assessment comes back and you're hearing a lot about gridlock, duplication of effort, inefficiencies, you're dealing with an org design issue. So that is a chance to look at how is work set up? How are the processes flowing? How are the reporting relationships? Where are, what are those types of issues that you can resolve through your org design? That's what an org design can do. If you're dealing with performance issues, so people are not performing to standards, you're dealing with a development issue. A leadership development issue is what we talked about here, but it could also be an employee development issue. So if there's low performance, you're dealing with something in the developmental realm. 
And if there's low trust and the culture is toxic in some ways, it's definitely something with the teamwork at the top. And it usually has to do with the leader at the top. So this gets a little bit trickier for you as a consultant because the person you are trying to land work with is more than likely the root cause to the challenges. But that's a different, a different issue we can get into at a different time. But just as a recap, this is how you know is if there's trust in the culture, it's going to be somewhere at the top. So your executive team development work can help you get started on solving that problem. So let's talk about next steps. What can you do right now? What's important right now, what's the most important thing right now is to expand your perspective on all the ways you can deliver exceptional value to your clients. The more clear you are around what a consultant does and how it creates value for the clients, the better you're gonna be at framing your products and services and pricing them for your website and your proposals. It allows you to offer additional value to existing clients, especially in the areas that are, are sort of butting up against your existing expertise. So for example, you know, as an organization development consultant, I knew a lot about assessment, as I mentioned. I'm a qualitative research girl. I love qualitative research. So I was working with a client and I did an extensive stakeholder assessment employee and leadership assessment. And one of the things that came out from that assessment is, hey, we need to know more about customers. But I have never really done a market type of customer assessment before. I knew how to do the focus groups, but I didn't know how to get get people into those focus groups that were in the customer realm. So I hired somebody to teach me a little bit about how do you how do you recruit people to be in customer focus groups? And I just created more value. That was actually an extra $100,000. And I hired somebody, I think, for a $250 consultation. So I think I got a pretty good ROI in that one. You know, the other thing is, the more that you're aware of all the different uh, the, all the different consulting solutions you could offer, it makes you more aware of the expertise that other consultants and coaches have. And the more aware you are, you could decide, you know what, I really want to offer this, but I don't necessarily want to do it myself. I don't really want to learn the skills. This isn't necessarily in my wheelhouse. You know, so for example, I was working with a client and I identified through my assessment that they really needed to do something with their their labor processes. It was just ineffective and they didn't have efficient labor systems in there. But I'm not a process person to that level. I'm not a Six Sigma person. So I found somebody who was and I asked them like, hey, do you want to partner with me? I landed the work. They came in, did great work. I was able to get passive revenue from the whole thing and it was a win-win. The client loved it. So that's the next step is just expand your mind. You can do this by Number one, just grabbing my cheat sheet. I I created this for you so that you don't have to go look online because one of the things that drive me crazy is when I have all of these tools and resources sitting on my computer and people are like, ah, I'm spending all these hours online. I'm like, no, 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 just call me up. I got something for you. So I created a cheat sheet that gives you a big picture of all these solutions. If you want additional information, I'm going to be telling you about the toolbox more next week around all the different types of solutions that I got available and how I'm making my computer available to you so you can be an amazing consultant. Just head on over to www.betsyjordan.com forward slash solutions and grab your cheat sheet. 
And stay tuned for next week as I wrap up this organizational consulting series. And I'm going to share with you the top power skills that every consultant and executive advisor should have. So be sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss it. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review Enough Already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.